0: This is Amy Kadakia and Kylie Grilio. And you're listening to Inside Ohio State Sweet, the Steminist Podcast.
1: Hi, everybody. This month's theme is career slash intellectual wellness. So we just want to start off by giving the definitions of these. Career wellness is a professionally well person engages in work to gain personal satisfaction and enrichment consistent with values, goals, and lifestyle. The definition of intellectual wellness is intellectually well person values lifelong learning and seeks to foster critical thinking, develop moral reasoning, expand worldviews, and engage in education for the pursuit of knowledge.
0: What does this really mean? We all want to do well at work and many of us are learning new things every day, but career intellectual wellness is more than just what it seems at the surface. It can be as deep and intricate as you like, but it can also be in the forefront of your goals or just on the back burner. But regardless of where it stands in your life, it is still very
1: important to have and maintain. To help us talk a little bit about this and give us an insight on how they maintain careers and intellectual wellness, we have a special alumni guest with us today, Morgan Smith. Morgan graduated in December of 2020 with a degree in chemical engineering. And she now works for PepsiCo as a processing manager at the Frito-Lay plant in Canton, Ohio. So welcome Morgan, we're really excited to have you today.
2: Thank you both for having me.
1: So if you
0: could please tell us a little bit about your time in the College of Engineering at Ohio State and with SWE.
2: I started out in engineering my freshman year as a pre-chemical engineering major. I was in FEH, so for everyone who was or is in FEH, you understand the struggle. But I will say, I do not regret a single thing from being in FEH. I mean, I don't know if I'd ever go back and do it again, but I met some of my best friends from being in that class. The stress that you go through really does bond you. I would say not just because you're spending every hour of the day, either working on projects or studying for classes, but you're also hanging out with them outside on the weekends. So this was kind of my introduction to engineering at Ohio State. As for actually applying for the chemical engineering major, I did not get into the major the first semester. So I was honestly disappointed that I didn't get in. You know, I thought I had studied hard, worked hard, tried to get into that major the first semester and I didn't. But honestly, it worked out better that I had basically deferred into getting the second semester because I I mean, I had to double up on some of the Chem classes to graduate in four years, technically four and a half because I did a co-op, but I met some of my closest friends, some who are women in engineering that I'm still best friends with today, still keep in contact with after graduating. But I will say, through all of chemical engineering, no matter what setback I had, the life lesson I learned is just keep your head up. Things might not go how you you plan them, Um, but at least in my instances, any experiences I had, it was even better than I had imagined. As for SWE, I was a general member my freshman and sophomore year where I was on the SWE 5K committee I was a little in the Big Little program, joined the Buckeye-Thon team, shadowed officers to see what they do on a day-to-day basis. And then when I went into my junior year, I was social director and my senior year I was the Big Little director. So both junior and senior year, I was also a big in the Big Little program. But starting my sophomore year, I attended both societal and local SWE conferences from Austin to Seattle to Raleigh and everywhere in between where I got internships and amazing professional advice from swe all around the world. My favorite part of OSU SWE by far was the big little program though. I met some of my best friends and some of my past college roommates through the program and really loved all the mentorship I received and was able to give back as a big to other members. The level of professional experience, mentorship, advice, and friendship was unmatched with OSU SWE. I have never met a more supportive group of women engineers who truly want to help all women engineers grow and succeed. And that level of support has meant the world to me up to this day.
1: that's awesome. That's really, I love that you told the story that, you know, you didn't get in the first time. And it just, it's nice to hear that even if something doesn't go as planned, it still works out, everything worked out for you. You're thriving. It's amazing that, you know, a lot of people as engineers get worried when our plans kind of get thrown off, but it just goes to show that it'll all work out in the end. So it's really great.
2: Yes, yeah, engineering is gonna pull you 20 different directions, but you just gotta keep positive attitude, keep your head up, because it's probably gonna work out better than you thought it would.
1: So what was it like transitioning from college to working full-time?
2: Well, internships definitely help give you an idea of what a professional engineering career looks like, but I'm not sure if anyone is ever truly prepared for that transition from college to working full-time. I know when I started, it felt like another internship, but then months went by, I realized I still wasn't going back to school. And now I had done a co-op in the past, so I had worked while people were at school, so it didn't seem too weird. But then this past semester, people started going back and I started realizing, oh, my goodness, I'm a full on professional engineer <laughs> like in my career. No going back now. So I do think it's always going to be quite an adjustment, no matter you know what career you're going into, even if you're going into grad school, because you're doing classes, you have this set routine with homework and studying and especially going into a job you go from basically having something to do or something you should be doing every day all the time to you go to work for a certain time of day and then you come home and that's your own time. This is where I learned what free time actually is because if I learned anything from college, it was, I might've said I had free time, but anyone who is not an engineering major maybe does have free time but all of you engineering majors know that doesn't exist. You're probably procrastinating something. At least I was.
0: <laughs> oh, for sure. That's definitely me right now.
2: Yeah.
1: I learned that when I was on a co-op, that I don't think I have any actual hobbies because I worked all day and then I came home and I was like, well, what do I do now? I don't do homework. Like, what do I like? I don't think I have any hobbies. So that's yeah, I can imagine that's definitely something that you have to learn.
2: Yeah. I don't, I think I was in the exact same situation. I mean, you go out and you do things with friends all the time during college and you can do that, you know, when you're working full-time as well, but then you have a lot more time to yourself after work. And that's when, you know, you kind of determine what's most meaningful to you. I just knew Like I kind of learned time management from college being in classes, you learn how to prioritize homework or projects, depending on deadlines, while also. You know, planning time out with friends on the weekends or weekdays whenever it is, but then when you go into your college career. It's almost like you're learning time management at work, which you get a lot from college and being in classes to then learning time management outside of work because. I know at least now being on the work schedule that I am, when I come home from work, a lot of days I'm just exhausted. The day wiped me out and I don't want to do anything. But then I always like to be productive and stay busy. So I come home, I end up watching TV all day. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I want to do so many things. I had so many things to do on my to-do list. So something I've really learned that I think would help other people out is kind of determine what your priorities are and you know if you want to learn a new hobby prioritize that when you get home from work it's just important to determine what interests you most and make sure that you know you're not only leaving work at a reasonable time because a lot of days that can be hard to just close your laptop leave work Put down any project you're working on because you just want to keep working on it and finish it, but then prioritizing your life outside of work because it's extremely important for your mental health and well-being as well. So I think that's a big part of career and intellectual wellness, because if you're not, you know, ranking your interests or hobbies or prioritizing your health, like, Maybe you love to work out, put that as a priority, make sure no matter how exhausted you are after work, you know, if that's something you want to do, make sure you get home and you go to the gym. Just that's kind of my advice for making sure you use that free time you actually finally have. Right.
0: And that makes a lot of sense, especially having that work-life balance. Your life can't be entirely just working and just focusing heavily on your projects because if there ever comes a day where you don't have projects anymore to do or you're not as busy at work and you actually have more free time you're lost in this sense like what do I do now and all the things I used to love to do maybe you don't feel the same way so it's it's great that you have found that balance in your life and you're looking actively looking for it all the time too and not just like sticking to what you used to do or what you thought you used to do in college and realizing okay I think that needs to change (laughs) but Uh, Moving on, could you tell us a little bit about the different roles that you've held so far in your career? Like I know you mentioned, and we know that you are a processing manager, but did you start off with this position? And um, if not, what else have you been doing?
2: Yes. So I would say I think I've had a unique experience in having a lot of different roles in the little over seven months, almost eight months that I've been in my engineering career. So when I started off, I came in as a supply chain leader. So that person at Frito-Lay is in charge of a department on a certain shift. So I was in charge of second shift, which was 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. So my area was processing. Depending on what plant you go to, it could be processing, packaging, warehouse, maintenance, any department, you're that resource for the team on that shift. So that was what I expected to come into the role. Now I held that role for about four-ish months and then found out that we were gonna be training supervisors who were gonna be running the floor. So with it being such a small plant, when I came in as that second shift supply chain leader, although I was told I was gonna be in charge of processing, we only had one resource on all second shift. So I basically ran the plant on second shift. I was in charge of processing, packaging, warehouse maintenance, all of it, Um, which was great experience with it being a small plant, but not at all what I expected to come in and do. So thankfully, I had great training, but there's only so much you can prepare for in training that I learned because chaos is going to happen all the time, especially in a manufacturing environment. Anyway, we were bringing these supervisors in and after being in the role for about four months, they were going to come in and be the ones running the floor. So my job was to come in, monitor the floor, make sure things ran well, but also I had a list of projects to work on. Now, being the only one there on second shift meant I was running the floor. So I was really excited to get these new supervisors in place because I would help train them, make sure they knew how to run the floor. And then I would be the one to actually get to work on these projects that I came in as as an engineer. That's why they were hiring engineers to work on these. Well, I found out, um, we trained them and then found out that I was possibly going to be sent over to our Worcester plant. So when I was offered the job, we have a plant out in Worcester, Ohio. I was originally told that's where I was going to be, and about a week or two before I started the job, found out I was going to be in Canton, which is actually great because it was a lot closer commute for me. But I found out after only being in the job for, it was about five, six months at this point, that I was now going to be going into a completely different role and a completely different plant, after I had finally just gotten used to my job here, which was something crazy to hear. So I went on vacation about six months into my job, came back, and my boss was like, never mind, you're staying here for a little while. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. It's been about almost two months since he told me that i at first was just going to be working on those projects i was originally assigned when i came into the role now with the whole staffing and just employee work crisis that's going on in the whole country i've taken over staffing and crewing at our plant so i guess my new title is also kind of hiring manager because i'm doing interviews bringing people in for training just making sure We have the right staffing, people go on the right shifts, everything continues to run well with enough people. So, that was quite an adjustment finding out six months into my career that I would be the one hiring people and bringing them in and making sure they did a good job so that we could run the plant well, which is a lot of responsibility that I was not expecting. So, at this point, I've been doing that for about a month and a half while still technically the processing manager over our processing department, because they're all still coming to me with all the questions they have and asking me about projects I was supposed to be working on. So I'm kind of doing a lot of different things. So for all the listeners, um, give it about a month and then come find me and ask if I'm still in Canton or still doing the same job, because at this point it could change. (laughs)
0: Oh my gosh, that sounds crazy that your position keeps changing, even though the actual like name itself is the same, but you're doing all these different things. And you're unsure about where you'll be in the next few months. Anyways, I think like there's a general certainty in life about where you'll be tomorrow, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, but uncertainty in like your career position and the amount of responsibility that you just was handed to you so suddenly and that sounds like an insane amount of responsibility you've had to adjust to so i hope that you're adjusting well and and I, how was that like how was actually adjusting to it initially was it like overwhelming for you
2: it definitely was overwhelming i mean i would say i felt honored at least after those first four months that me having gotten a short training in my original job, that they wanted me to then train people who were at least 10, 15 years older than me. When I was the newest employee out of all of our managers, I, I mean, I thought that was an awesome responsibility, but it was super overwhelming that that was my role. And these people going out to run the floor were my responsibility. And if they could run the floor properly, That was on me if they did or didn't. And also for my role I have now, it's been quite an adjustment. I'd say every day I'm still learning something new, especially with trying to get all these people in the plant. I know everywhere struggling for people, just kind of learning how you bring people in that other side of it. Whereas when you're in engineering, you don't really think you're going to go in and have to deal with this it's almost like hr stuff it's not at all what i expected to be doing but i think being flexible i realized you know maybe since i am the newest employee if they need me somewhere i'm going to be open to it now i not necessarily i'm always going to say yes i can do everything but just knowing if they come to me that's not because they're trying to test me or think i'm going to fail but that's because they know I could do that job. So it was overwhelming, but I understand that they, my boss, all my colleagues know that I could do a good job. That's why they would give it to me. I just, every day I'm like, oh my gosh, I have so much responsibility. I do not want to mess anything up.
1: Yeah, it definitely seems like that much responsibility is has kind of pros and cons, like obviously they trust you and they have a lot of faith in you, but also can be overwhelming, like you said. So this type of job, when you say that you're a chemical engineer, I feel like it's not really what people would think of. So how did you end up working for Pepsi? How did you choose this field versus something else that maybe someone would think of sooner when you say that you are a chemical engineer?
2: Well, yes, this is definitely not at all what I thought I'd be doing in chemical engineering going into college. But the first reason that I'm working for PepsiCo, working for Frito-Lay is food. I love to eat and I think no matter where I started out, I knew I kind of wanted to get into this because I love food. I love the manufacturing environment But if I'm being honest, when I came into college, I thought I wanted to be in a lab or be in an office. I thought that's what chemical engineering was. I had no idea that you could work in a plant and I would be wearing steel toed boots. I'd come home with pretzel dust on me, like chips everywhere. I would never, ever, like, think that that's where I would end up coming out of college from how I was as a freshman. But thankfully, I got, I actually got my first internship experience uh, from the SWE conference. So interviewed at my first SWE conference, got the internship there. And I think from there, I got into a plant environment. I definitely remember going to check it out the day before I started. There were office buildings around. And there's this giant plant in the center. I was like, no way I'm in that plant. I'm definitely in one of those office buildings. Well, my boss calls me later that day and told me, yeah, that plant entrance is where you're going to be. And I was like, no way. that like That's not at all what I thought I wanted to do. But I ended up loving it. And from there, I knew I had always wanted to try out being in the food industry. So whether that was being in a lab or working for a food company. So I ended up working for Anheuser-Busch. I did a co-op there, decided, okay, I really like the food industry. I'd like, now I've worked with beverages, want to work with the food side. And I heard great recommendations from friends about PepsiCo. They've worked on the beverage side. They worked for Frito-Lay. thought, why not give it a shot? Well, thankfully, I interviewed and got an offer and ended up interning at our Worcester, Ohio plant, and I ended up loving the job, not at all what I ever expected, I would say, but loved it so much came back the next summer, which was my last summer, before I graduated worked on the beverage side determine I like the food side a little bit better, but still love the company, love the culture and everything about it and knew that's what I wanted to do. Now I knew saying yes to this, it was a supply chain leader is your literal title, so they hire in mostly engineers, but they also hire in supply chain majors. So it wasn't like oh you're going to be a chemical engineer or oh you're going to be a process engineer, you are doing engineering type projects. But as you can see from what I'm doing right now, it's not necessarily engineering. I think for me, I determined what my interests are, what industry I wanted to be in, and then said, okay, whatever they want to put me in, if I want to get experience in this industry, I'm going to say, yes, that's what I'm going into. I think that's how I got into Frito-Lay.
1: I think it's really cool because it just kind of shows you what a wide range of options you have as an engineer and you really can do anything and I also really like that you know you got to see what you like from co-ops I think that's really great um a great way to learn and decide what you like and even like you said kind of changed your mind from like what you thought you were going to do starting as an engineer so it's really cool for sure and like you know you
0: also like give us a great perspective on the fact that like if you have different interests you can pursue them like you don't have to necessarily be like a super a stereotypical or a like strict engineer and it's exactly what the major that you signed up for when you went to college that you can still explore other areas of engineering and see that your major that you had you have your degree in can still take open up doors in different areas as well and like for someone like me I have a lot of different interests even within engineering like I had started college as engineering undecided because there were just so many things that I really liked so that's really comforting to hear that even if in the future I decide that I want to try something different, and I see an opportunity in an industry, or uh, within the industry that I have interest in, that I can do something that's outside of engineering for later, then I think that's great.
2: Yeah, I mean, just give anything a shot, because you never know what you're going to like. And also, I think, even from engineering, no matter what job you're going into, if they see engineering as a major, they're going to know you're super smart, you're a great problem solver. That's what they're looking for. So I think even just going through engineering, no matter if you come out of college and you're like, I don't even want to do something close to engineering. And I have friends like that who graduate in chemical engineering and are like, no way, I'm not doing anything like that. I think the major anyway, if you stick with it, you could literally do anything you wanted with it.
0: And that's really comforting to hear. And I know that a lot of our listeners will probably feel the same way. But to kind of bring up some things that we talked about before, I know that you'd said that you um, are working a lot of different positions and your responsibility in the plant has increased tremendously compared to um, what you had first started and that you have been saying yes to a lot of different stuff. But how are some ways that you can say no professionally and? still helps you maintain a good relationship with other people in your plant and like your manager, your boss, for example?
2: Yeah, well, my first piece of advice is understand your reasoning behind saying no, but also understand that doesn't mean you have to explain yourself when you say no. Where I work, there are nine total managers for the entire plant, and I'm the newest employee. So when somebody's out or we need help on a certain project, usually I'm the one that they come to first because I'm the newest one. Even with me switching jobs, I might be able to take on a little bit more in different areas, help people out, maybe help cover the floor since I don't have set responsibilities that I need to be there on first shift where I am now. So I would say, yeah, you know, I'll help cover. And a lot of that is because I am kind of the lowest person on the totem pool because I am the newest member that kind of comes with just being the youngest engineer there. So I think when I started out, I at least was saying yes to a lot of things because I thought, oh, if I say no, they're going to just have this really negative opinion towards me which by the way, is not true at all. That's just all in my head. But I realized at some point that I kept saying yes to cover all these people. And I ended up switching between a second shift schedule, a third shift schedule where I'm working midnights. I mean, I'm kind of jumping all over. I don't have a set sleep schedule. So I did get great experience from working all these, but I think, although I was trying to show good work ethic to my boss and my colleagues, I realized eventually that I was just becoming super drained. And in my head, I thought, you know, they're asking other people because they don't wanna come up to me and ask me to cover everyone or help out all the time. But it was almost as if it was, you know, don't worry, Morgan will say yes, because chances were, I was that person that was gonna say, yes, I'll help out. That's just who I was. But I learned that while most of the time, at least I probably could cover, I didn't wanna become that go-to person. I didn't want my sleep schedule switching from where I'd sleep from 11 p.m. to 5.30 a.m. and then sleep from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. because I'm working midnights. So this is where I learned how to say no professionally. So my first piece of advice for everyone is get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable, especially at first when having this conversation with your colleagues or with your boss, whoever it is. I speak from being the newest engineer in the plant and can say, you know, you do come in feeling you have this responsibility that you have to say yes to everything. You have to prove yourself to everyone. That is just, first off, not humanly possible, And also not true at all, because that is not the expectation that your company is setting for you. They didn't hire you in to test you or watch you fail. And my second piece of advice is don't give in to the feeling that you always have to explain yourself. I have seen so many people, especially women who I've worked with, where they feel they have to explain themselves for every decision they make. And that's not true. That's another part about being uncomfortable with saying no, is sometimes you might come across a situation and you really can't take anything else on. Just say, no, I can't. For example, a recent situation I was in, I had already covered for somebody for the given amount of time that I said I would. And I had all sorts of plans on the weekend. And I was asked, along with everyone else, if we could cover. And I was physically, mentally, emotionally drained from the whole week for covering because when you're running the floor, you're on your feet all day long. And these were 12-hour shifts you're covering. So I was just thinking to myself, there's no way. So instead of saying no because I have this, this, and this that I need to do, I just said, unfortunately, I will not be able to cover. That was a really hard message to send back because I didn't want to sound like so passive aggressive or anything about it. Like I just said, no, like that's it. I didn't explain myself and no one ever questioned it. Everyone else was like, no, because I'm doing this, whatever. I just said, no, I can't. And what I learned from that is nobody came back to me and said, Well, why'd you say it like that? Or what do you have going on? Why can't you do it? They just were like, okay, she can't cover. Like, you know, it doesn't matter if you're gonna be out of town or if you really just don't want to, you just have to say no. It's really uncomfortable and it's hard doing it, especially the first time with your boss or your colleague, but you do have to set those boundaries for yourself.
0: Yeah, and saying no sounds like you're also making like a healthy boundary between you and whoever is asking you to help. You don't always have to be that go-to person like you had said. And being able to say no is, sounds like such a hard thing to do, especially like being in college, it's hard to say no when someone of power or someone who's older than you is asking of something of you. But if you really can't do it, then those are some great advice that you had mentioned to get comfortable with that because it is uncomfortable.
1: I know like myself as a people pleaser that I, I now have trouble saying no. So especially if it was someone that's like above me and my boss or something, I can imagine that'd be super hard, but that's really good advice that you gave. And like Amy said, it just goes along with your work-life balance and prioritizing all your wellness, to be honest.
2: Yeah. Cause I mean, it's not just about your career wellness. It's also about your own wellness too.
1: Yeah, definitely. So engineering is obviously a super male-dominated field, especially manufacturing. Um, So what's your experience been like working in a male-dominated field?
2: Well, I first have to say it really does depend on your company's culture if working in a male-dominated field feels overwhelming or if it feels welcoming, no matter how few women engineers are in your industry. I have worked for companies where men support everyone, they're happy to see women succeed, and I've worked places where no matter how hard they try or don't try, men cannot hide their bias against women. It's one thing to hear stories of working in a male-dominated field, which I've heard plenty at SWE conferences, I've heard from fellow women engineers, But it's quite eye opening when you actually experience this bias being out in male dominated field. From my own experience, working in a manufacturing setting attracts the least amount of women and is definitely most heavily populated male environment that I've ever worked in. So for reference to my current position, there are nine managers total and two, including myself, are women. And a lot of manufacturing environments are set up like that, where it's 20%, 30% women, maybe even less, depending on what industry you're in. But just because there's less women in this male dominated field doesn't mean that you're going to be any less successful. Some of the teams that I've worked with that have been the most women populated, even if it was only 35, 40%, has always been some of the most successful teams I've worked with and they've always been some of the hardest workers. So from my own experience, I have seen favoritism towards men over women. I've personally seen men chosen over women for a role that while both were qualified the woman was still much more qualified and unfortunately wasn't picked for the role, which is sad to see that happen. And I hate that I've seen it firsthand happen at past companies, but it is true, it does happen. And it's something people talk about all the time, but you don't quite understand it until you see it. So I will say overall being an engineering, unfortunately usually means whatever class or job you're in is mostly gonna be men. Now for chemical engineering, I think there was a decent amount of women in my classes, but that may be one of the most women populated engineering majors compared to others and still wasn't even that much overall. But I will say we should never stop speaking up when we experience any unconscious bias towards women, whether it's towards yourself, Or you see other women experiencing it because I have seen this firsthand, but what I've seen start to fix the issue is bringing up your concerns because 90% of the time, maybe more, and if, especially if you found a company that has a great work culture, if you're bringing up these concerns to your boss or your colleague, they're going to address it. They're going to want to fix it. That is the great thing that I have seen so far and reasons why I've stuck with companies and reasons why I haven't gone back to companies because I've seen some where they actually address the issue. They didn't realize they had this bias and they say, okay, I see it now. I'm going to work on it. I'll fix it. But then I've seen others where like, well, yeah, I kind of knew, but I don't really care. You know, it's always going to be hard. How do we change their minds, how do we help them see it? But I think the biggest thing that we can do is just always speaking up and knowing that maybe it's a challenging situation you're in, especially being in this male dominated field, but be confident in yourself and know that you've worked hard to get to this position and you deserve all the promotions, all the praise that you have coming. And if you're speaking up against this, that's just gonna make the job that much better.
1: Yeah, I think that's really important to speak up and stick up for each other. Um, So have you like found any male allies that you've worked with either now or in the past that have kind of like helped you push these things and make people aware of these issues at the companies?
2: Yes, Um, yeah, I will say Men in this field are also great allies, as well. You definitely will learn who's going to be a better ally than others. But I have had a lot of great allies, and I do now. That you know, if I see something and I've brought it up to somebody and they're not willing to fix it, maybe that person, sad but true, might listen to that guy more than me. But if that's what's going to get them to change. Then, you know, I want to work with them. They want to work with me. But I have seen that, you know, working with so few women, sometimes the men are your biggest advocates, which is great to hear too. I mean, I've had 50-50 of female and male bosses. And I'd say both have been great advocates for me for their bosses and helping me move up and move into different roles, take on bigger projects that are more challenging. I think finding who your male allies are is also extremely important because they're going to help speak up for you too. And it's just good to have that supportive base while you're building your career.
1: That's really great to hear and reassuring. Do you think
0: that the... being in the company that you're at and previous companies that you've worked for, that the company culture has a lot to do with how people within that company react or speak about their biases or about like the way that they have treated or said anything about women and women in engineering specifically?
2: Yes, because I think it depends completely on company culture, whether that person's willing to speak up or not. If you have a culture of addressing issues, them knowing that if somebody speaks up, they're actually going to fix the situation, not just ignore it. That speaks a lot to the company and a lot to the people that work there. I know at least for PepsiCo, another reason why I joined the company was because they were huge supporters of SWE. I've met a lot of men and women in the company who support SWE, who want to join, and we actually started PEP SWE. So it is a headquarters started a whole SWE section for PepsiCo, which is awesome. So they're starting to bring it out into plants, which I'm starting to get involved with. It started in headquarters. Now we're sending it out into the country to all our different plants. But that was another big reason why I joined the company, because I knew that was the right culture. I wanted to join because it obviously showed that no matter if it was a man or a woman in the company, they were speaking out for women engineers. They were advocating for us.
0: That's awesome. Having a Pepsi. That's so cool. Um, But to give a little uh, additional shout out to our listeners and information for them, being in college, you're probably going to want to start going on, if you haven't already, internships and co-ops. Not every company is going to be a great company to work for just because of their company culture and how they are handling situations related to uh, unconscious bias related to women in engineering and how they're treating you. Um, if there's ever a time where you're working for a company that makes you feel uncomfortable in that sense, or not helping you in your experience, any negative experiences you're having, that ECS has a um, internship or co-op hotline where you can let them know that this company is not helping you out or that certain instances are happening at work and you don't know what to do about it, and we will give you answers. But I just wanted to let our listeners know that that um, option and resources out there. But to, you know, change the topic a little bit, hopefully on a more positive note, um, wanted to know a little bit about your work goals and uh, your goals, not just in your company, but what are your goals in your lifestyle and outside of work too?
2: Yeah, so speaking on my work goals, I honestly would love to retire as a big executive in a company such as Frito-Lay, I think that'd be the coolest thing ever. Um, For me, it's just not just about the responsibility that I would have, but also making that big impact on the company and on the world around me, and being able to impact a company's goals and ideas. And speaking with And listening to big executives that we've had speak at SWE conferences as well that I've attended have also inspired me because they seem like the coolest boss ladies ever. And I honestly think it would be so cool to be a woman engineer in that position where I can impact the next generation of women engineers. And also showing that working in a manufacturing site can be for women. And that's why that's one of my big work goals.
0: I mean, you're already doing that right now, being on this podcast, but also like everyone listening, like you've already inspired me so much. And I know that definitely people listening will feel the same way. So you're already on the right track for sure.
2: Well, I'm glad to hear it because that's the goal that i want to set starting now i don't want to do it just then i want to do it now too so i'm glad to hear it (laughs) well as for my outside of work lifestyle goals um, my overall goal is just to make sure that i'm enjoying my life outside of work as much as possible so a new fun fact for myself That not many people know about, so listeners getting a little sneak peek into my life. Um, I actually decided I was going to take on a new hobby, and so within the past month or so, I've picked up skateboarding. So, oh my gosh, that's
1: awesome! That's so (laughs) cool. I love that. I love that so much.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you know, I did get inspired by the Olympics. They finally put skateboarding in it, and. It just happened to be on one day. I love watching the Olympics, watch skateboarding and decided, you know what? It kind of started as a joke, like, oh, I'm gonna skateboard, I'm gonna be in the Olympics. That's awesome. Maybe I'll never get to that point, who knows? But then I just ended up buying skateboard, helmet, elbow pads, all that stuff. And now I'm doing it. (laughs) So, you know, no matter what age you are, I realize you can always learn a new skill.
0: That's so cool. I and mean, you know, I think you keep practicing and that you could have the potential of
1: going to the Olympics. Oh, thank We're going to be waiting. We're going to be <laughs> waiting for you to watch you on the Olympics.
2: Oh, yes. My first fans here on this podcast. <laughs> and as for lifestyle goals, I just try to be the healthiest, best self that I can be. I love to work out. I run, train for triathlons, half marathons. So those things kind of motivate me in running. I've started getting back into reading more, which I'd always wanted to do, but never really had time for in college. And otherwise, you know, I always just try and stay a positive person because a lot of times life is going to try and drag you down, but just focusing On the positive is also going to help your well being, whether it's mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, that's all really good advice. Um, So, going along with that, kind of here to close out, what is advice that you have for current students?
2: So, I have two pieces of advice. The first is don't be afraid to try new things. Whether that's you know trying on a new class, finding a new hobby, um, or even just trying out a new industry to work in. Speaking from my own personal experience, as I was starting out my college career in engineering, I thought I wanted to work in a lab, wanted to work in an office, and like I said, never could have ever imagined I was going to be working in a plant, a manufacturing site, but when I was offered that first internship, although I didn't 100% realize it was gonna be in a plant, it was really far away from where I lived and I knew no one in the area, had never even visited before. I just found an apartment online, but I said, yeah, sure, why not? I'll give it a shot. And honestly, never regret because that was one of the best summers I've ever had on that internship. And also, it was the first engineering internship experience that I had. Had I said no, who knows if I would have had another internship, what I would have done would have led to where I'm at now. I just think at the early on point in your engineering career, when you're still in college, you're starting to get internships, or you're thinking about changing the industry maybe you want to work in after you graduate. Just Give everything a shot. Maybe you sign up for something and say, I'm not really sure that's what I wanted to do, but I guess I'll give it a try. You never know because you could end the summer or end your internship and say, why would I ever say no to that? That's something I love now. So that's my first piece of advice. My second piece of advice is just be confident in your own abilities. I mean, whether you're looking for your first internship or you're assigned a difficult project while working for a company that you possibly wanna work for after you graduate, know that you have the skills necessary to be successful and should be proud of everything you've accomplished up to this point and will accomplish. I mean, knowing from all my job experiences, That company is gonna bring you in because they believe in you. And you should believe in yourself too and be proud of yourself because no matter what level of responsibility you get or even if you're looking for your first job, you should be proud of what you've done and kind of show yourself off because you're all successful women engineers and you are all gonna go really far.
0: Oh, that's wonderful and honestly, the best advice we can get right now so thank you so much for speaking with us and being on the podcast and good luck with everything and I hope that uh, wherever your career leads you and uh, PepsiCo leads you you're going to be great hopefully we'll see you in the Olympics and we'll see you <laughs> as um you know potentially a higher and higher ups of PepsiCo too
2: yeah oh yes I would love it but thank you both for having me on this podcast it was so much fun and I've gotten so much out of SWE and I will take it all with me for the rest of my life and it's just the best community that you could ever build so thank you
1: You Yeah, Morgan gave so much great advice and insight I definitely learned a lot talking to her so hopefully you did too and we hope that you enjoyed this episode stay tuned for our next episode featuring two special LSU faculty guests and thank you so much for listening remember you've got this and we've got you now go fem inspire the world